Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Podcast Network Asia. You know, you should always put yourself in positions of failure because I think that's very important. So if you become a little, if you feel that, you know, you're pretty comfortable and, you know, there's no there's no risk at all in what you're doing, then probably you need to stretch out a little bit if, if that's what you want, if you're comfortable with that. Another thing I think is, I, I don't know if this is cheesy, I apologize if this is cheesy, but I think having, you know, a, a really solid partner, you know, having a good, in my case, I had a girlfriend, you know, and she became my wife. It, it is it is very important, I think, because it grounds you and it removes a lot of distractions, I think. And what, what, what you want and what you need becomes very clear to you because, well, what you love is already at home. And good evening, good afternoon, good morning to wherever you're watching my podcast from here in the Philippines and from all over the world. And welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. In my podcast, I like to interview the country's pioneering and trailblazing business personalities and entrepreneurs to learn more about how they think about doing business. What are their success secrets? Can we use those same success secrets in our businesses? And how have they innovated, pivoted, scaled their businesses during the pandemic? But more importantly nowadays, what opportunities do they see emerging in the post-new normal scenario? Is there a business personality or entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here in the podcast? Please let me know. Just drop me a message. I would love to hear from them. You can all be also live right now on FOMO and on YouTube. Now, tonight, a very special guest, my friend who has developed the Hustle PA chapter, that is Jason Gaguan. Now, Jason is a prominent figure in the Philippine market research industry and currently serves as the chairman of Agile Data Solutions. He's had extensive experience as an entrepreneur, which we'll learn about later on. He's also successfully built and managed multiple businesses. In fact, in 2017, he launched Mr. Speedy in the Philippines, which is now known as Borzo. Tonight, we'll be talking about his app called the Hustle PH. It's a, the, app, the Hustle PH app is revolutionizing the market research landscape by making insights accessible to businesses of all sizes. With a combination of speed, hyper-targeting, and efficient pricing, they cater to the top Fortune 500 companies, MSMEs, and startups. Right now, their clients include Unilever, Smart, Globe, Paymaya, Alliance, PNB Life Insurance, Japan Tobacco, Fonterra, and Unilab. So let's please welcome to the show, Jason. Jason, welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast. So good, good evening, man. Thank you for having us, having me. Thank you for having me. Jason, really a pleasure over here. I, I love your background. You are looks like you're a serial entrepreneur, sharing a lot uh, of your own experiences as an entrepreneur here uh, on the program. But let's start off with a very important question. I want to start off 
Uh, first of all, hi, Teresita. Hi, Nats Luis. Thanks for watching the program here tonight. Um, I want to find out, um, what exactly is Hustle PH? Um, and like I say, you know, like I, I preface in most of the shows, uh, we tell them over here, you know, um, what does the elevator pitch like to people to explain what Hustle PH is all about? Um, so Hustle PH, it is a mission and data gathering app. So what we do is, if, if you're a guy who's, who's free time or whatever, you can download the app. And you go there and just answer surveys and do tasks. And then we pay you money for that. And those data, we get those data, pull them together, and create market insights. And these market insights, these are the ones that we give to different companies um, to, to, guide, to guide how they do their business decisions. So the, on a nutshell, that's how we work. Okay. Um. I'm picking it up from major high level type of what hustle PH is, but can you break it down a bit more for, 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 for all of us? Uh, especially let's say I, I, you know, my dad, when he used to like, he used to listen to the show and sometimes the, 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 the startups I bring you, but the concept fly over their head. Can you help us lay my eyes? What does hustle PH do? Okay. So, um, so my, my, there, there are two things, no? so meron, meron, um, we, it's a platform, kasi. so as a platform, you have two, two layers. There is the layer of the people, of the consumers or normal people around, and there's a layer for companies. If we talk about the layer for people, um, it is an app where you answer surveys, actually. <laughs> answer surveys or do like tasks, like take a picture of your, of your hair or take a picture of the shampoo you're using. Or take a picture of yung pina, uh, the nearest Sari Sari store. And then from those, you do tasks. And then we pay you money, like 10 pesos, 20 pesos, 30 pesos. Or if you're in a grocery, take a photo of your journey while taking your grocery or a video. So take a video while you're you know, doing your grocery. And then we pay you like 20, uh, again, 20, 30, 50 bucks for it. So that, that, that is what it does if you're the person using the app. It's simply that. And then on the other end, if you're a company naman, so we use all those data points and then we, we create market insights. No? Like for example, we have a we have a uh, we have a client who wants to understand how wh- what product to create for women with colored wavy hair. Actually colored purple hair that is wavy. So it's pretty, pretty specific, right? But us we have we have the we have a database of these people. I know that, for example, in my app, I have a thousand three hundred around a thousand three hundred women with purple colored hair that are wavy up to here. So, and then they want to ask them questions. So I just target them and then ask them the questions this company want to ask to create that product. So simply that. Got that. And I'm just a bit curious. So, uh, Hustle PH is the app. The company is Agile Data Solutions. Is that right? Yes. 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 So Agile Data Solutions okay. like the mothership, and then we use the app to gather data. Okay. Uh, in Agile Data Solutions, is that the only app that you guys are working on right now? That's the sole app that's sort of like the, the flagship of Agile Data Solutions. Yes. So right now we have one. It's just Hustle, the Hustle app, but we're going to release more Q4 in next year. Like we have video conferencing. It's like a chat roulette where brands can talk to people, their target segments and things like that. But for now, it's still the Hustle PH app first. Uh, I see. So basically, you're going to build up the app, sort of make it like a super app for market research, yeah. quantitative market research for the, for the companies when they need market research. So it comes from taking photos to, to actually 
sort of like one-on-one interviews with the target market. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. That, that, that's the dream. No? At the end of the day, what we want to do is connect brands or connect companies to their consumers. And then also on the consumer end, we want them just some sort of justice, right? We have their data and earn from their own data. So, yeah. Okay. Um, I'm just simplifying doubts so that people just understand uh, as, as they watch us. Are you running it? Uh, is the company the way that you perceive it to be is it a startup company that you really want to hyperscale like other startups? There's other models, but there are other models where they just say, you know, I'm not here to hyperscale. I'm just here to create a nice profitable company that doesn't require a lot of um, external capital to fund its growth. Um, so we really want to hyperscale. That's really the goal. So to really grow as fast as possible. Um, but we are bootstrapping on the way. So, but if we need more capital, then we would ask. But for now, we think, hey, we are, you know, we're living in the clouds. We can bootstrap our Now, Jason, as I talk about this one, give us a bit more of a background on, on what does Agile's data solutions do. And as I, as I give that background, let me just refresh my, my signal so I get much stronger, okay? So please feel free to talk. Uh, just in case, I drop it for a bit. Okay, okay. So, Okay. Um, I'm left alone, so I'm gonna talk about my company. So, what do we do now? So, background of our company. Um, if you're if, if you're an FMCG or you're you're uh, you're FMCG or you're in telco or whatever. You know? So, what we do is we give you data. Um, most uh, most likely you're using the traditional traditional companies for your data, and well, the problem there is it's quite expensive, it's quite slow. The base is not really hyper-targeted. Hyper-targeted meaning you really can't go into the details. So what we do is we have 250,000 people in the app and you, we, you can ask questions from those. Um, for example, we could do retail audits normally. Um, anyway, what, what you need to expect is the base is always at least 100 times more than the traditional one. Keep on going, keep on going. Now, I'm actually very curious. I'm actually very curious, uh, Jason. Um, you said not the company is being bootstrapped. And for those who need to understand what bootstrap means is basically that that's money coming out of your own pocket that's funding the growth of the company. But did you take any uh, external money? Uh, yeah. Yes. Or yeah. any received income? Yeah, yeah. We had we had um, a small investment coming from Wei Zhou, the CEO of Coins. So we he's one of our investors. Um, but aside from him, there's no one. It's just us. So we've been bootstrapping it, I think, for around six months. Um, but after that six-month rule, when we started getting clients, we became profitable. Not as much, but quite profitable to pay for the bills and grow from there. And, and what's your plan for growth aside from that one? So you, you've, you've actually gotten some investors who are profitable already, uh, but you said your goal is to hyperscale. Do you plan to do that using the current investment you have right now or do you plan to take in more investors for uh, for Agile? The, the, the biggest, here's the thing, mostly you really need capital if you need a lot of marketing um, or to, to drive growth, installs, downloads of the app. But one interesting thing we found out, we didn't really expect it, is the app grows organically because, well, people just want to sit down and earn 10 pesos, you know. It's just a fun way to earn money so easy. So, um, we are not expecting to spend much in marketing, at least for app downloads. Um, our our goal really to be so. Given that we don't spend much, that's really the tech. The thing about tech is it is the, the, there is a certain optimal optimal spend, and after that, everything is just marginal increases. So, in terms of spend, so it's not really that capital intensive. I think the the biggest 
cost after tech would be really the sales team. So that that is really the next plan to really bolster the sales team because we are not good salespeople. <laughs> so especially, I, I'm sure you can see it from the way I talk. So um, we really need, you know, um, salespeople who can really represent and sell our service more you know, from our existing base of clients, but and also expansion. So we are looking at expanding to different ASEAN countries. Thailand, um, one of our clients is pushing us to expand in Thailand. They said that they would give us enough projects so that we can open there. So we're looking at it probably Q4 or Q1 next year. Q4 this year or Q1 next year. Well, it looks like you, you're actually, you've entered into territory which you would call, uh, you know, what that, that, that entrepreneurs are looking for, right? You, you, you found a sort of pain point that was there. And we're going to discuss a bit a bit more about that later on, on how you came across the pain point that led to the creation of the Hustle PH app. But before that, what people don't know is that you've got a, you've got a very interesting and very colorful story of becoming an entrepreneur. Let me just start with the very start. Uh, when you put this up in the first place, is was it's, it's a market research company. What's your background in market research, communications, engineering? What is your background? Yes. In if you don't mind me asking, yeah, like, yeah, sure. Like college, what did you do in college? Um, I did chemistry, so my 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 course was chemistry in college. Um, it's pretty fun. chemistry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the 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 thing is, I was lucky enough. I was a dormer in college. I was lucky enough to have. Um, well, actually, it's not really the market market research. It was more on the entrepreneurship side. I was lucky enough to have roommates who were, son, who were sons of uh, prominent businessmen in the provinces. And then they, they kept telling me stories about entrepreneurship. Because before this, I know I know nothing about this. From where I grew up, it's the slums. No one knows about, you know, starting businesses. So there, I, I, I learned a lot. And during summers, they pay for my ticket to go to Cebu and talk to their uncles. So that, that was really an eye-opener on, on you know, the, the, the big world of business. And after that, from chemistry, I moved to different sectors of the corporate of the corporate world. So I joined the market research firm for a year. Mm-hmm. And then I went to sales in an FMCG. And then I went to brand in a telco. And then I went to... Wow, growth. what a colorful journey. Yeah, you yeah, you kind of left the chemistry world and, and went yeah. into the... Yeah. So you, you intentionally moved to these different places because you had entrepreneurship as your yes. sort of like your North Star, but you want to gain experience along the way. Is that a yes. correct understanding? Yes, that, that was planned actually. So that I really would go to every department of every every corporate and, and at least the business end of a corporation. So that and when I was a kid, I understood two things. You need to understand a lot of things and you need to make friends with the right people or at least a lot of people. No, so that that was really the goal. So it was market research, it was sales, and then um, brand, and then I went also to tech growth, and then after that I started Mister Speedy. So it, it was really like, um, it, it was it was built. I, I think that the whole the whole journey was quite built for this. Just because a lot of entrepreneurs are listening or, or aspiring entrepreneurs are listening to us here right now, would you suggest the same sort of? self-driven career path that you chose na sabi mo sa sarili mo, okay, uh, I discovered entrepreneurship, now I want to I, I wanna gain the, the skill sets to do that. Let me do my my own uh, career path journey. Is that something that you suggested with what you did? Well, it depends, right? So, because there, there are really talented entrepreneurs that they don't need to learn from other, from other people. So, it, it really depends. But in my case, um, given that, you know, I didn't take business, I have no business people in the family. 
it was very important for me to really immerse myself really first in the in in how businesses are run at least in the corporate world to have a more structural knowledge and then from there after a while i realized well that probably this time you know this time to start my own okay now tell me a bit more um okay so you you went to all the different departments and finally the um I want you to get to the journey of getting to Mr. Speedy. How did that, how did that happen? So, well, uh, um, from where I grew up, it, it, it was it was the slums. So, the, when I was a kid, growing here, here in Manila, ba, or in the province, in Manila. So, okay. it, it was it was the, the what they call this the uh, the the vision of success of everyone who lives there is that having a motorcycle. That was the thing. Like you know, um, if I buy a motorcycle, I'm done. I'm okay. And everyone has a motorcycle, but not everyone has jobs. And then also another another thing was um, people always don't really give them good jobs because there's this tendency to think that these people are lazy. You can you can't really what you call this. You can't really uh, mm-hmm. rely on them. You know they're always late or there's they are always absent. But me growing up with the, with them me really gave me a different perspective because the reason that sometimes they are late or they don't go to work on time or something. It's because there are a lot of external factors, you know. Someone gets sick, um, they have no money for fare and things like that. So from, from those two things, knowing that uh, motorbikes are really the epitome of their success, everyone owns them, and it's very difficult for this uh, segment of you know, society to really hold 8 to 5 jobs, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Mm-hmm. jobs. Well, then what, what, what's the best recourse, right? Then develop an app that could where they could work, use their motorbikes, and whatever time they want. And that was how the idea came in. And well, you already and at that time there were already existing winners in the Philippines. There was Lalamove, there was Grab Express. So I said, but the main difference is I know these writers, I grew up with these people. You know, so I said, okay. So I went to LinkedIn and started, you know, looking for investors and people. And then suddenly there was this Korean guy. And then this Russian guy, and then this Russians, they have this thing in, in Russia. It's called Dosta Vista. And then I told them, why don't, you know, I, I use your technology. I open, a, I open it up here in the Philippines. And after a lot of drinks and a lot of vodka and going to Moscow, a lot of times being the shortest person there, we, we opened up Mr. Speedy in the Philippines. So, yeah. And so did you, in other words, Mr. Speedy, when you created it, was just a lot of... Uh, Intuition gotten out of what? Parang gayon lang yeah, yun, di ba? Purus lawe equity ginagawa. It's sweat equity. I would call lawe equity yeah, there, yeah. right? It was that. It was that. Yes. Um, it was just convincing them actually. Um, the, the interesting thing there was, um, I, I don't know. I think this is racist because this is a fact that Russians are not aware of the environment outside Moscow as much. You know, they're they're quite close. So for them, it's it's quite interesting for for them to be able to open up in other countries though they do not they're not familiar how to really do it because they're so enclosed inside the country so it was a, i found that a good opportunity for me so you know there's this kid going a filipino kid and giving them ideas putting it in their heads so it was it was an not an easy sell but it's a good sell so you're talking about five to six months to sell that sell in the concept is that right uh, probably around a little less but yeah I don't have enough money for fares to last five to six months of going back, but get back and forth. But yeah, yeah, probably three months. So, so, so this is very interesting. You, you went there. You, you pitched to them. You were able to sell the, you were able to sell the idea based on your business plan, I guess. No. Yeah, yeah. 
And what was the unique selling proposition that you gave them? What was that, that kind of point that they said, okay, I like your business? No, actually, they were already running the same type in Moscow. So they were already the champions there. They, they held like 90% of, of the market. Wow. The thing about tech companies or companies in general in Moscow is they are very, uh, what, they call, what they call this, they're quite protective. So it's very difficult for outside, outside companies from other countries to enter. So local companies really bloom. Um, but the thing is, they are not aware much of competition, of how competition happens in a freer market. So that was the thing, you know. So I've been to different companies. I know how to run this. This riders, I grew up with these riders. I have a solid base of riders, at least from where I came from. So it's a good, it's a good start, and it's not really expensive. I just got the tech. So I said I'll handle everything. So it's just me getting getting their tech and probably fixing some documentations on their API, and everything's okay. But that, but that for me, no. I mean, the, the thing that I find very inspiring about it. It's, it's all about the hustle. I mean, you find somebody in Russia. <laughs> to no, no, it started in So I, I messaged in LinkedIn first. So I didn't go there like just trying to knock on doors, you know. I, I was messaging oh. people in LinkedIn. These are the people who just, you know, um, replied. It started with a Korean guy first, actually. So Korean guy, ex-CEO of Samsung Russia. So it's one of the investors there. So I started with him and then moved to, their, moved mm-hmm. to the other Russians. But this was before the war. Yeah. Before the war. About 2017, yeah. is that right? About 2017, 2018. Yeah, 2017-18. Yeah. Okay. After you came up with the concept for Mr. Speed, the next is you have to develop the te- te- technology to put it together. Well, what is the next? Because many entrepreneurs are, are stuck on that idea. Okay, what's next? I mean, I got a great idea, but how did you actually execute? No, so that's the thing, right? So I tried running it by myself actually, but I really can't do the technology because, well, I can't do it alone. It's quite expensive to hire and I don't have money. So that's why I went to them to get their technology here. So I just white labeled the technology. So yeah, um, it was not that difficult on the technology end. On the execution end, um, what the route that we did so that it wouldn't be expensive. Um, the, the thing about the rider system in the Philippines, the rider platform when it started here is that they relied so much on Facebook marketing because they, have, they had a lot of money. So the, this, this Lala Moves and Grab Express, what they got really, they focused on like individual people, like just uh, delivering things. You know, like I, I, I forgot something at home. I, I'll use, you know, Lala Move to have it delivered to me. Things like that. But they really did not focus as much on, the, on certain business sectors. So what we did to compete, to compete there was we just, I, I just sold I just saw the idea to, we started with food subscriptions because this is a good business then. It's like, you know, they deliver to the same address every time. And then with mm-hmm. already a solid address. So I can use that with minimal riders. I do not need to have like, you know, 100,000 riders all around the Philippines. I just need a couple of riders who I know would go to this place every 5 a.m. and then would go to this place again every 6 p.m. And then my main, the differentiator is if they go to Lalamo or Grab, they do not really know how much they will earn. And second is they do not know where they would end up. But if they start mm-hmm. with me, they already have an idea of how much they would earn because it's already a set path. And of course, they already they can schedule their day. So if they still have you know work in the morning, they can go there 5 a.m. and still go to work afterwards. That was the beginning on how we started. And no Facebook marketing because it was all sales. We just went to different... Yeah, that's, that's what I was wondering. Yeah, so, there's yeah. no Facebook marketing. Even, even the recruitment of the riders, but no, that's, that's something like, that's, that's the key. The recruitment of riders, you know, I, I lived with these guys, man. So it was just... That, that's why you know, so you know, it's just like Jin Bilog. <laughs> you go to the, you know, the, the covered ports and it's like, bro, 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 come here, come here, have drinks. And then 
know, just bring them all in. And the words word spreads easily, if, especially if you're giving good money, you know, fair money. So yeah, that's good. Jason, what did you? I mean, you worked with several companies and different departments before you put up um, Mr. Speedy. Can you share me now? What did you learn from the other company that you worked for? And what what that were able to apply in Mr. Speedy? Um, I think the 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 thing about um it, it, this is nothing against startups, no, because there, there are a lot of ways to run a startup. There are a lot of ways. But I think the 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 thing that I carry is the to to do structure. No? So because um in, in corp in corporates are very, you know, they, they, they like process and structure and things like that. Mm-hmm. So that is, I think, one of the things that I really, really got there, you know, to be able to structure, for example, how to go from one place to another and put a little freedom still, but putting putting structures. Second thing is, I think, to be able to, to be able to properly, what do you call this? To properly forecast things because normally, uh, well, it's quite difficult if you do not have a background really of what's happening on ground or you do not have an idea of how, for example, you have a new product. How do people really buy them? No? How many people would buy them immediately and everything? So I think those are the things. And I think lastly is um, to be more grounded, I think, on the results that are possible. So, and, and I, I'm not saying that I'm not hoping for a big win, right? But the the ground the grounded thing at least puts expectations properly so that the team even you, know, you put targets that they can hit so I think those are that that now moving forward okay you you have you got the investment you moved forward you got the technology was there a point where you felt like as any any entrepreneur well, this might fail or, you know, it won't, it won't work. I mean, of course, everything sounds good on paper, right? And was there, was, you know, and we, of course, entrepreneurs never like talking about the, the downtimes, but there is, the, but was there a point when you were doing Mr. Speedy, we're going, oh no, this might not work or it's a, it's a really bad day. I, I, I want to quit. Yeah, man. Um, it's the reason we're always drunk in the office. No, <laughs> I'm just joking. So, uh, <laughs> a lot, a lot of times it happens. Um, mostly at the beginning, it's really having a solid base of riders. So that was number one. And a lot of people that you've talked to or small businesses that you've talked to and, you know, really trusted you and you're letting them down. So th- th- those are the normal days. But I think the biggest lo- the biggest thing that really, you know, hurt us was, and it's 100% my fault, was we had a lot of, um, at that time, a lot of uh, pilferage, a lot of people stealing from us. And well, of course, it's the fault of the peep of the riders stealing, but it's also mainly my fault because at that time I was so focused on growth. I was so excited, like, hey, everything's growing. Let's just, you know, let's just get more clients. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's get, be a little more risky. Um, for example, we're going beyond the insurance cap. Oh, you know, that's okay. We need to grow, grow, grow. And well, yeah, so it's millions and millions, uh, millions and millions in pilferage. It was difficult money. Um, a lot of that. It, it was really painful. It's really difficult. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, there, there's no other. It, it was the worst time, man. Worst time. But obviously, growing pains, Sandy. But things that you'll never learn unless you're an entrepreneur running a business, no? Yeah, I, I, yeah. Of course, it was growing pains. But those were pains that I could have, you know, I, I could have not suffered. If I just looked at the Excel once in a while, you know, but, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, aside from that one, I mean, you mentioned Mr. Speedy uh, gave a good site, right? I mean, it's, it's, it, you know, what's with the point when you were doing Mr. Speedy, when you realized, oh my God, it's going to work or like, wow, Mr. Speedy's grown to this size. When was that? Your own like milestone for you where you saw that happen. Yeah, so that's the thing about me. I always try to convince even small wins or big milestones. <laughs> so yeah, but 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 in hindsight, I think the the first one was when we were able to corner the food subscription market because it was a niche. Um, and then it was the first thing we co- we cornered and we we had a solid base of riders and deliveries and clients, and that was the first one. But I think the second one was when we did this strategy. That's a cool strategy, I think. You know, it was that time when I, I was driving in Edsa and one of our competitors, I saw that they had a lot of billboards, which was not that useful, I think, in my head. So I, in, in my head, I, th- I thought that this guy is having another run. So I mean, another fun run. So they're trying to get money. So at, at that Time, I said, okay, if that is the case, they are very, very, uh, their profitability is very, very important. Now, so anyway, so that that was the uh, no, no, that was the concept. Um, the thing about this competitor was they were so big, they were so big. Everything we do, for example, we lessen the price. They just lessen their price too. So nothing, right? So what what I did was I lessened the price, but I also lessened the uh, our commission. The normal commission is twenty percent. Lessen it to ten. Um, so that. At that time, I said, this, this, com- this competitor would not follow me because they own 80% or 78% of the market share. They slash their, you know, if they slash their commissions, their, their profit margin, their revenues would be 50% smaller. 
I, I only had what, 7-8%. I have nothing to lose. Uh, so what we did, we lowered the price and then we slashed the commission rates. And then in the beginning, there was little traction, but after a week, specifically after a week, suddenly, the, the, if you book for in, in our competition, you would not find any riders because the price was so low and then the commission was still high. So they don't earn anything. And suddenly the riders were just, you know, using Mr. Speedy at that point. And then, and then the customers, we do not have money for Facebook marketing. Just suddenly you realized, okay, if I book here, it's the same price, but the riders come immediately. So, and then it just snowballed. snowballed. And then I think at that time I said, oh, man, first thing that I've thought of that worked. No, I'm joking. But yeah, that, that, was, that, was, yeah, that was a good point. Wow. Wow. Wow, it's just like um, it's like uh, it's like a, it's almost like a David versus Goliath story. Uh, what you did was something very, you know. Uh, but from you, at least, kumbaga, you did have a lot. Hindi malaking tinataya mo diba? I mean, in other words, what you were losing in terms of lowering the commission, the scale for him was much much larger yeah. than your competition. So that, that that was big. I think we grew immediately to twenty seven percent, twenty seven percent market share. If I'm not mistaken. So that 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 was that was enough. But yeah, we, we, we have nothing to lose except for my pride and my ego, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was it. Now, so Mr. Speedy uh, grew to a specific size, but then eventually, yeah, did you, you, did you make the decision to, to sell Mr. Speedy? Yeah, well, it, it was my decision, but also their decision. It was too big, you know. And then, it was, and then when they found out that they can open to other countries, they opened to a lot of countries already. So, yeah, um, it was a good price. So, well, was it a, was it a difficult decision for you to, because I mean, you, it's your baby. Yeah, um, it, it, it was, it was sad. It was difficult. Yes. But there, there are some decisions that, you know, I don't have a hand in. So, yeah, but, but still, still okay. It, it, I mean, there's no bad blood. So I still drink vodka with them. So, yeah. Okay. But, but letting it go, what were the lessons that you, I mean, this is the first I've seen it. I mean, it's an interesting story. You you put something up and you you have to you have to let it go. What were the key lessons that you gained from the Mr. Speedy experience? Yeah, um, it's very boring to check your financials, and at some level, I think it's not really the boredom. It's it's I, I don't know if it's only me, but I I feel certain anxieties when I look at the financials because I'm afraid to see that you know I'm losing money or probably I'm closing down. So. For me, at that time, it was very difficult. No? So, but yeah, I think the biggest lesson is, you know, do the boring stuff because it, it's going to save you a lot. No? So I think that's number one. And number two, I think it's just, I, I don't know, um, be, be, work with, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. So yeah, I think that that's it. And the other things, it's just the things I did. So it's like, okay, let's just do it. Okay, let's just do it. So yeah. It's more of that. Got that, got that. Now, moving on. So, okay, the, that chapter of your entrepreneurship closed, then a new chapter opens up. I want to figure out right now, because like you said, you, you've made the rounds of business. You've gone to different departments. You put one company. Um, the company had to transfer ownership. And then now, what led you to the creation of the hustle app, what was the pain point you saw? Because this is a pain point 
that you see from a market research standpoint, if I'm correct, no? But then how did it, how did this pain point come to you? Yeah. And how did you think that it's going to be something that potentially you'd like to work on to solve? Yeah. So it, it was not solely me. No? We, we are a group. So we were three people. So during the pandemic, it was the height of the lockdowns. And then one, one of my friends, I said, Hey, man, let's, let's do something. And I, I was doing nothing. So I said, okay, let's do it. So, and then um, we, we just brainstormed. No? And at that time, it was that, it, it was the peak of, you know, um, it's like activism against Facebook because Facebook was stealing. Uh, it, there, there was this thing about um, activism against Facebook, quote unquote, stealing data. No, so that 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 was the thing. So we said, okay, stealing data is an issue, and probably we can work on that on that end. So that was one. The other end was um, one of my friends. Actually, not only one. A lot of them were complaining about their market research companies. So we were. We, I am in different chat groups, and they were they or mm-hmm. at that time, Inuman. Are you familiar with that? Where people drink in video calls. So that that was. Everyone was doing it. So when we when we were doing it, my friends, a lot of my friends were talking about how their data from their market research is really bad. Like for example, if a sales guy is saying that you know my KPIs are not hit because the I'm sure that the numbers are really wrong. And the the and then we delve deeper. So okay, what's the issue there? So the issue then was because they were traditional market research, it's very difficult for them to go out because traditional market researchers work by going to houses, they knock on doors. And then you yeah. know, there, there's a survey form. But during the pandemic, you can't do that. And then, for example, when they do like distribution checks, they go to sari-sari stores. They go around and then there's this one person going around checking stuff, sari-sari stores. During the lockdowns, you can't do that. So the data was so bad. All the data was just not good. Um, and then, so we thought, okay, what if we just do that data? We buy the data from these people, you know, and then sell it more expensive. <laughs> and yeah, that's how, that's how the idea came up. Wow. Okay. Good. Great. I mean, that, that's that's really uh, that's entrepreneurship. That's the entrepreneurial mindset uh, at work, finding a point point that needs to be solved, or making things less fric or making things uh, more frictionless. And at the same time, um, putting a premium on 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 the service that people can't actually get. So, a lot of, a lot of great things to learn from your example. But now again, now going back like the same thing, okay, Mr. Speedy, you were lucky that the partners that you had had the technology to to um, to give you to help develop Mr. Speedy. How did you start off with the technology to develop uh, House of PH? Uh, Google Suite. <laughs> so it's so in, in the beginning, and I'm sorry to my clients who are listening, but the, the, the first project really was just fully Google Suite. So we had like Google Forms, Google Sheets, we connected all this stuff, and then we just sent it to people just to check traction. No? And well, and then we posted it on Facebook and People answered it. They uploaded photos. They, they answered correctly. And yeah, there was traction. So we said, okay, after after this project, then let's create technology, the technology to do this. And yeah, it, the technology is not that difficult. It's just a platform that, you know, gets data. Um, and then the databasing is also not difficult because all we need is to fix the architecture of the data that we get. So mm-hmm. actually the idea is quite simple. <laughs> it, 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 it's It's... It's not really complicated. So, yeah, so the technology was not difficult. But I think the problem we had then up to now is that um, hiring hiring programmers is quite a challenge right now. Your your competition is the U.S. U.S. rates because of work from home. So 
But yeah, but aside from that, technology was not that. It's not rocket science, at least for Hustle PH. But, but given given we are right now with, with Hustle PH, how do you plan to maintain? I guess it's sustainable and scalable competitive advantage versus the other more established market research firms. Because I'm sure they look at you and saying, okay, what he's doing uh, is something we could potentially do as well, right? I mean, it doesn't take long for them to, you know, and, and, they've got, and they might have deeper pockets than you and say, okay, of if he's doing that, I'm going to do something like that. So what, what are you doing to make sure that the console PH stays uh, ahead? Okay, so what we are doing is, well, really growing fast, you know. So what we do is, for example, we acquire, because our acquisition of clients is not really fast right now, but what we do is if we get one client, we chip in to, because there's just one big pie of budget, right, for market research, for example. So we chip into that budget little by little until we reach like 40, 50% of the total budget. I have an idea of how much that is because I work there. I worked in that industry. So, yeah, so chipping in quickly. And then if we get the share immediately, then probably it would be very difficult for them to follow, I think, because if there's one thing about corporations is they move quite slow. <laughs> so because if you would look at market research in the Philippines, there was no innovation for the past, what, 40, 50 years. In the Philippines, huh? there's no big innovation. Um, so... Using that track record, probably it will take them a long time to follow. But to to go against that, we're really trying to grow as fast as we can and chip into their projects so that we get it already before they follow. And similarly to my question about Mr. Speed, you know, and, and which is also which comes to Hustle PH, um, was there also a time that you were worried that the effort that you're putting into this business might not be worth it? I mean. Of course, height of the pandemic. So, you know, some things look good. I think it magnified the pandemic. If it was bad, it was really bad. If it's a good solution, it was a really good solution. Uh, how, how did you, was that, was that time you're going, okay, this might not work. Let's just do, let's scrap it and do something else. Um, yeah. So the thing was, we, we tried different models actually. So of, 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 of the, of the business. So in the beginning, to, to battle that, we just try to open ourselves. Because normally, what, what companies do is they create the product and they start selling it, right? But from what you heard from my story, we are creating the product while we are getting clients. So the, the risk of creating the wrong product was quite low. Because, yeah, oh, that's what you need. We have that. But actually, we will build it. But we'll build it, really build it. But, you know, at least we're building it for them and we know that there's a market for that. So and then the repeat rate is quite high because if you get a client, they're yours forever. And the contracts are years, like one year contract or you know long contracts. So you, you can get the money fast. Um, but problem wise, there are a lot of times where you know we have payroll problems, but um, we we always get lucky. There's always this one client who is you know gonna pay earlier. So yeah, and then yeah, we got lucky also because we pivoted. We opened up to AI. So AI, there are AI companies that use us to gather, you know, data for their machine learning models. So that was also a pivot that saved us during like mid last year. Yeah, I mean, I was reading about uh, about uh, Hustle PH, and you've got some top tier clients over there, some of the top Philippine companies over there, which is very impressive for a company that's barely uh, two years old, uh, born in the pandemic. So for me, um, 
what was the milestone moment for you guys? How do you think you were able to, to, to get such large companies with such, I would say, parang, versus a market research company, your track records are shorter, but then wow, you, you gained this much, uh, yeah, yeah. these reputable clients in such a quick period of time. What was your own take on how, how you were able to do that? Um, well, because I, I know their problems. I've been in their shoes, you know, like I've been a brand manager. So I know that, okay, brand manager, I know your issue is that you need your data fast so that you could, you know, you could, you could release immediately. I know what type of data that they need. I, 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 because, well, I had that job before. So when we talk to them, it seems like they're talking to someone who, you know, when I think in my head, I think that was the thing. Or for example, you're talking to a salesperson and you're talking about distribution. And I, I've been a salesperson, so I know that this distribution data is very important because your bonus is, you know, is tied to that stuff. So you need to ensure that that is correct. Because right now, um, for example, traditional, traditional uh, market research firms just use 150 stores to project what? 1.1 million Sari Sari stores. So this, this are the things that, you know, normal, because traditional market research companies, they do not release raw data. So, but we, we also release. So if you're talking to a market research department, that makes them very happy. Oh, yeah, raw data to play with. So I think it's more of, because I went to their shoes, I, there's a certain connection on, on the, when we talk. So, yeah. Got that. And when Winfrey was the point for, for Agile or for Hustle, you said, wow. It's made it, or we made it, or it's, 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 that it, your, I'll use the word again, milestone. When that milestone, you said, wow, um, also made it. Uh, yeah. So first was when we, when, when we got the first trip, um, the second project of our first paying client. So oy, they liked it. So they repeated. So that was like a proof of concept in our head that, okay, if they're repeating, then that's okay. Because what, what we really did was when we started the companies, we ensured that our prices are already tapped. There are no discounts, there are no anything. Just to ensure if there's really product market fit. Because that's the best way, right? If companies are willing to pay you, then or then it means that they like something. So we do not do free stuff and stuff like that. So that on the repeat rate, uh, on the first repeat, that was the first milestone. But I think the biggest milestone was, at least up to now, was when we... End of 2022, there were companies that gave us one-year contracts and start wow. picking out their old old market research firms. And yeah, that was okay. At least we won in this company. That's good. So it's time to win in others. So yeah. Okay. Then having said that, I mean, you guys are on a roll. Where do you see... Um, where do you see where you're going to be taking Hustle PH and maybe even Agile as a whole in the next three to five years? Yeah. Okay. So, well, for things like this, talk is cheap, right? So, because we really, do, we really, I really, it's very difficult to know really where you're gonna go, right? So, but of course, we have a plan. But, um, so what we are looking at is really expand using our existing base of clients, because of course they're they're also in different countries. So, expand on the countries where they are also. Um, target at, at least ASEAN or Southeast Asia, these countries, because. Well, these countries, for them, you know, 10 pesos, 20 pesos is still a big sum of money or something that, you know, they would spend five minutes on. So that's that. Expanding really in, in Southeast Asia or ASEAN and see where it goes. But again, follow the, follow the money, follow the clients, whatever they want. Because from our experience, that's really the best way to know if the product is good. Got that. Got that. Now, the interesting question I, I want to ask is that, so you are involved in market research and you've seen... 
market research trends and data from different industries, right? Uh, because of what you do. So we've got entrepreneurs listening here to the program, to the podcast, and I'm sure there are a lot of business opportunities that you've spotted as, as you've seen across the different industries. What are these opportunities that you, you, you don't mind sharing about what you've learned from different industries where there's still opportunities for entrepreneurs to, to get into or to leverage? Um, well, I am not really a guru of sorts, but probably I can tell some stories. So I think hyper, the, the, the way of omnichannel and hyper local, the, the trend of omnichannel, hyper local or hyper local omnichannel is, is going. No? So, um, w- what I mean about that is that brick and mortar. So how, how brick and mortar and online, the interplay of that thing. So what oh, the trends that we are seeing now is that um, brick and mortar is not dying, not dying at all, even with online online coming in. So brick and mortar is still a thing, but there should be an interplay with, uh, interplay with online. So what does that mean? No? Because um, the the biggest the what one of the challenges right now is faster delivery. So because it's it's. We you always want faster and faster and faster and faster, right? But delivery becomes quite expensive, and it's difficult mm-hmm. to do. Um, a lot of companies are doing dark stores, things like that. But dark stores are quite expensive to do. No? So, um, one one thing that we are seeing, one trend that we are seeing, especially for the big brick and mortars, no, is the omni-channel play using their existing, using their existing, uh, what do you call this? Using their existing brick and mortar stores or real estate, no, as the stores also become quote unquote dark stores, no? so which makes delivery points quite smaller. I think uh, the big opportunity there is Sari Sari stores. If you could make Sari Sari stores or dark stores, if you're an FMCG or something, that would that, that, that would solve a lot of things. No, because this and the good thing about that is this people already know the other people in the, the environment. So that interplay, that's one. And I think another thing is the flat B because for a while. Um, the growth of cities really are an it is vertical, no? So you clump in one place and everything's vertical. But right now it's really becoming horizontal. So I think that's an opportunity to tap on. Um data is showing that delivery times now are taking longer because well, before mm-hmm. you only deliver to one point and then you already deliver to 20, 30 people because they live in one condo. But now it's spreading up because people are living in houses, probably for not probably. Farther from farther from Metro Manila because of the work from home situation and this this thing. So I think that's also one thing to tap that that flattening of of the growth of cities. Um, yeah, and women in gaming. I think also women in gaming is one thing. It's very big, and the the cool thing about that is it's not only like young women. It is a little older women, like thirties to forties, are going into gaming. It started during the pandemic, and they're not they're not leaving. So the thing was, they started doing it during the pandemic just to become closer to their kids or to their loved ones who are a lot younger, but it stayed. So the growth of online gamers for women or in the 30, 30 to 40 years old or even above 40 is, is really high. And then even after the pandemic, it stayed. So that's also one thing. Wow. Well, thanks so much. That was, that was more than what I expected. Thanks so much, Jason. I think... A lot of people can be able to gain from that one. And, you know, as we say, you know, I didn't realize how, how long we've been taking this discussion. Oh, uh, we're almost reaching an hour. Yeah. But then right now, I want to I wanna step back a bit more. No, I mean, like I said, I, I really respect the hustle and, and the entrepreneurial drive that you had to put this up. I mean, this is Mr. Speedy from scratch. Uh, 
hustle from scratch. Um, I mean, you start guy from the slums, travel, go, you know, goes to the different company, corporate background until he finally puts up a company. Really great story. What can you share with the people listening to us here right now, both aspiring entrepreneurs or people who are working their corporate jobs here right now? What are your own, I guess, quote unquote, success secrets or best practices that you've learned that you want to also share with uh, potential future entrepreneurs or people who want to do good in their businesses? Okay, so... First and, first and foremost, I'm not a success. So I think I can give like, you know, successful tips. But I think probably learnings that, that, that I've, that, that, you know, that I've had. One thing is probably, you know, um, always putting yourself in positions of failure. So that, that I, had, I had a boss who told me that. I was a new believer who told me that. You know, you should always put yourself in positions of failure because I think that's very important. So if you become a little, if you feel that, you know, you're pretty comfortable and, you know, there's no there's no risk at all in what you're doing, then probably you need to stretch out a little bit if, if that's what you want, if you're comfortable with that. Right? So I think that's one. Another another thing I think is, I, I don't know if this is cheesy, I apologize if this is cheesy, but I, I think having, you know, a, a really solid partner, you know, having a good, in, in my case, I had a girlfriend you know, and she became my wife. It is it is very important, I think, because it grounds you and it removes a lot of distractions. I think, and what 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 you want and what you need becomes very clear to you because, well, what you love is already at home. So I, I think that, I, I apologize that she's and weird, but that that's all I know. But but that's a great and refreshing take on the business, uh, especially the importance of partnerships. Again, thanks so much, uh, Jason of Agile Data Solutions and Hustle PH. Uh, Jason, just in case people want to try out the Hustle PH app, they can actually earn money from it, right? Yes, they, yes, they go yes. the app for the, for the, for the consumer pacing ones, for the people, for, yes, for, yes. for people who take pictures of their customer journey. Uh, what is the website that they can visit um, or is so it in the Google Apple Play Store? You can go to the, we're still not in Apple, but we're releasing Apple next month. So June, that's already near. Um, but um, for Android, you can download our app. You can just go to the Android store. But if you're, you you can also visit our, we have a web app. So it's hustle-ph.com. So you can try it out. Um, log in and then try the missions. It's fun. You, you would earn at least like five bucks a day. So yeah, it, it's cool. And then if, they, if their company is also interested uh to secure your services, do they go to the same uh, website? Um, yeah, they could go there or they could go directly to Agile Data Solutions. Um, Agile, or just, you know, I'm sure we have sent the LinkedIn message to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> because, because we spans all of you, so probably you could just check your message and just reply to that if you want. Got that. Again, thanks so much to Jason Gaguan of Agile Data Solutions and of course, Hustle Peach, congratulations for all. Kaya pala Hustle Peach, kasi your life has been all about hustle. Again, thanks so much. This is the RJ Ledesa Podcast. We will see you in the next podcast. Thanks, guys. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.